0: Welcome to the mental health multiverse. We're your hosts HB and LB. We'll be breaking down some of our favorite movies and TV shows as they relate to mental health, self-healing, and overall wellness, while also breaking stigmas, shedding light on misinterpretations, and helping you understand yourself a little better.
1: If you're also on a healing journey and enjoy pop culture, stick around. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of MHM the what's our name again mental health multiverse <laughs> yes thank you for tuning into another episode of mental health multiverse today we are talking about anna and elsa from frozen and we are joined by a very special guest which is very exciting
0: yes my sister hallie is here so another hb in the house. <laughs> Yay. hello. I'm not the only HB. Um, so Hallie is my younger sister, six years younger than me. And I feel like I talk about her a lot. And she probably I, I know that she's only listened to a couple episodes, so she's probably like, what do you talk about me with? <laughs> um our audience knows our audience knows that I've thrown you down the stairs. So there's that. Um
2: <laughs> getting right to it.
0: Yeah, getting right to it. Um <laughs> And you were like kind of featured in our was that a bonus episode or was it our
1: Moana? Oh yeah, the episode? Moana musical episode. Oh, you were talking about how the it. crab song was like giving you super capitalist vibes, and you were not, you were not happy. With it. <laughs> but, I think yeah, yeah I think the that movie was just scared the, me.
0: I think. <laughs> I think that was a bonus episode if I'm not mistaken um yeah. so if you want to hear Hallie chime in because I was just like in a hotel room with her when we were recording that and uh become a patron and listen to
1: that um but anyway. y'all might know we refer to her as little hb because she has done our music so our intro yes. and outro music was done by the amazing Hallie Bodie yes Thank you little, again. little hb
0: <laughs> yeah so the intro music before this episode and our outro music at the end, yeah, that that was created by my little sister Hallie, um, who <laughs> is a musician and an audio engineer. So that is what she does for a living out in LA. And mm-hmm. she has dreams and aspirations to encourage and empower women in audio, which is also very exciting. So that is that is my little sister. I feel like I always have a lot to say about like people who come on but really with Hallie it's just like we'll probably talk a lot about our relationship throughout this episode as it relates to like sisterly relationships um something that Marissa and I talk about a lot LB and I talk about a lot is like that all sibling dynamics are different um and so like Hallie and I have a dynamic that is very much like we weren't that close when we were little, but we also were. It was like we were and we weren't. It's kind of weird. Because we're six years apart, it was easy for me to not like her because she was so much younger than me that I was just like always annoyed um, just by her existence, right? But also I felt very protective of her. Um, And something I talked about in a different episode that I want to ask you, Hallie, is like, do you remember when i used to sleep in your room instead of my own room like in the bunk beds and read you harry potter every night
2: i do it's so funny that you bring that up because i was just talking to joe my wife about that and (laughs) she was like didn't she have her own room why was she sleeping in yours and i was like why a bunk bed and i don't know she would just like keep me company i guess
0: (laughs) it's because we had uh I, i it was like part of it was like protection for myself and protection for you, just because I was like a little, you know, like we had a, to tum- like, it wasn't a difficult childhood, but there were parts of our childhood that were tumultuous and, and traumatic. And, um and I think it was part for me and part for you. You know what I mean? Like I was mm-hmm. doing it because I was scared and and also needed like a little bit of an escape, but I also like wanted to protect you from feeling scared and alone like like I did so that's big sister vibes but but like I said every sibling dynamic is different so like Hallie and I got closer after we were more in our adulthood I would say um we've always been like close in terms of we played video games together we watched movies together I introduced her to South Park when she was far too young to know what (laughs) South Park is I actually I feel like I introduced you to so many things that you should not have seen at the ages that you saw them because I was too young to be watching them. And then you were six years younger than me (laughs) watching the same things. So, um, so I feel like those are the ways in which we were close. Um, And we also have matching sister tattoos. Um, And the reason that we got these, these tattoos, they are for people who cannot see. It's a cassette tape and mine says Heather's mix in Hallie's handwriting and Hallie says Hallie's mix in my handwriting like we gave each other permanent mixtapes and we decided on
1: isn't that cute
0: cute. yeah (laughs) we decided on these tattoos because we felt like uh when we were trying to decide on a sibling tattoo it was really hard for us to figure something out that like we both related to that was like deeply meaningful and not just like some nerdy thing that we did together and like Mm -hmm. music music is definitely a big Thing. and obviously like Hallie is a musician and now is into audio so it's like even bigger for her than it is for me but like when we were growing up I used to like force her to listen to the same music that I listened to and I would like record songs off the radio and be play DJ and be like and coming up next is da-da-da-da-da by so-and-so oh, and like you know so cute. we would choreograph dance routines just like music was definitely a big part of our relationship growing up so that's why that all that's our relationship in a nutshell so um and and Mm -hmm. also something that we've talked about before too that may come up um but since you're here I just want to let you know that we've talked about this is how like we fight so hard and get so annoyed with each other but there's always an underlying like everything is fine you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. we get so like especially when we're together I feel like I feel like this is normal for siblings but maybe it's not I don't know but like We just get it under each other's skin really easy. Hmm. And then, but it's not like we're ever actually mad at each other. It's just like, it's just like that sibling, like you, everything you're doing is making me so mad right now, but we also have that underlying, like, but also I love you. And I, you know, you Mm -hmm. know,
2: yeah, I feel like we can say anything to each other, but it's like, sometimes that's not the best thing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and that's something I said, I think, maybe in my speech at your wedding about Joanna is that, like, she kind of got thrown into us going on a cruise together. Um, It was, like, me, you, and mom went on a cruise, and just, like, that, the way that Joanna just, like, witnessed us in existence <laughs> with each other.
2: <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> like, early th- in my relationship with her.
0: <laughs> yeah, the three of us just, like, literally fighting about everything. <laughs>
2: No, I think it like the wedding was a big thing that made me realize um I don't know, I have a lot of cool friends in my life that I felt are very close to me, but I don't know, you really stepped up at my wedding and I just really felt the true support from you and oh, I'm trying to think of the right word just um unconditional love for me that you have so it was definitely really nice and special and you were you what were did like i do my rock i don't know i feel like i was your, <laughs> like you were my punching bag you were my sanity <laughs> like you saved the day with the bra
0: <laughs> i did
2: i gave Hallie my
0: bra <laughs> i was like it's not gonna fit she's like just put it on <laughs> and
2: like that was like when we were supposed to be leaving like uh-huh.
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah oh yeah i'm glad i'm glad
1: I love that that's so cute um (laughs) I have a younger brother who's who's also six and a half years younger and whenever she brings up Hallie most of the time I bring up my little brother because it feels like our sibling dynamic is so different because like almost as soon as he was born and my parents had to go back to work or whatever it was like I was the designated caretaker um so I saw him more as like baggage and a burden uh and I like was really resentful of him especially because then as we were getting older it felt like I had all of these chores and responsibilities and they babied him and they let him just play video games they like didn't get on him as much as they were getting on me mainly probably because I well one I'm the eldest and and I had like apparently more capability to do all these things even though I was doing them at his age too whatever it's fine so <laughs>
0: <laughs> well so I feel like- and I I'm I was just gonna say Hallie and I can tell you that our parents definitely had favorites growing up too um which they will absolutely deny to this day um but like my dad Hallie was my dad's favorite because she was a tomboy and he would like buy her everything she wanted and mm-hmm. he would like take her on these like really fun adventures they would go to like East Fork Lake together which is like this big lake and they would go like they just like they and I wasn't like Jealous by any means, but it was just like very evident that like my dad was like, "This is the son I've always wanted," like, you know. <laughs> like, very much like indulged in her, uh, like indulged. Dad really indulged in your, um, like, act the activities that you wanted to do. Like he liked that you were into skateboarding and dirt bikes and like that kind of thing. Um, which is great for you to have growing up. A parent that wasn't like you must abide by societal norms of being a girl. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you were, you definitely Mm -hmm. like had that like rough and tough thing about you and dad really embraced that and enjoyed it. And then like, for me, mom was very much like, Heather is my angel and she's she's so smart and she's in performing arts and like grades. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she goes <laughs> exactly. So it's like our parents definitely had like clear favorites growing up, but at least it was like I was my mom's and Hallie was my dad's, and like they both didn't like like they weren't focusing on like one over the other, you
1: know. Yeah. I mean, I was the dog's favorite, so I guess that that was cool. It was me and my dog against the world. Um, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> um which is I don't know, it's fine. But yeah, now that we're we're older. He's about to graduate college, which is like freaking crazy. Um, We've, we've definitely gotten closer. Like we've talked about our parents. He's recognized the ways in which him being the favorite or like, yeah, him being the favorite was not so great for me, but then in the same way, it wasn't great for him because I think he was getting it from both sides of my parents. Like I, my parents in a nutshell should have are the kind of people who should have been divorced, but don't. And it's just one of those things. So anyway, he would hear like both of them bitching about each other. And then like, he couldn't really take a side. And then at the same time, they would like criticize him in the same way they would criticize me. And it was just like, I don't know. It was just like a whole thing. Um, And uh, something I didn't realize until we were talking about it was they used to compare him to me a lot in terms of grades and, and, and things like that, I guess, because I don't know, my mom, for some reason my mom likes to think life came easy to me like and but it was just because I didn't bitch and complain in the same way that she did about like things um so I guess because my brother was like struggling to get like his college admissions worked out and like all of the scholarship things worked out she'd be like obviously you're doing something wrong and you need to talk to Marissa but not just like talk to Marissa to get advice it's talk to Marissa so she'll do it for you um Mm -hmm. so then that's where that comes back around but it's weird. Yeah. It's 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 so interesting. Yeah, like how different, how every sibling dynamic is different, but then also how each sibling's experience is different. I think, Heather, you and I have similar-ish experiences because we're the eldest, but Hallie, I am interested in getting, like, your perspective being younger and stuff. Definitely to
2: compare it to Frozen, like, I definitely was probably sheltered from a lot of things that heather was exposed to. Mm-hmm. I mean, parallel but not exactly the same. It's not like heather was the problem, but
1: <laughs> you know,
2: like I feel like she knew about things that I didn't know and and was she was trying to protect my experience, but you know, she could only do so much and I feel like um in a way that I don't know if it made me tougher or I that's just my type personality type, but mm-hmm. I feel like once I was getting older. Um,
0: once I wasn't around anymore.
2: Yeah, yeah, once you weren't around anymore, I really feel like I had to just stand up for myself and and um, I think Heather maybe influenced and taught me to just, I don't know, be able to handle things a certain way. We are very different though. And I think that's
0: um, something that, you know, some siblings are like super similar. They grow up, like there are ways in which we are very similar, but there are also ways in which we are very different. And I think the ways in which, even though we were raised by the same two people in the same household and had the same like technical upbringing, like I'm a lot more passive about things. And I tend to like, I tend to try to, um, uh, I'm like more of like a, uh, I, I I'm getting better about this, but like I have that people pleasing sort of ideology of like trying to be uh trying to please everyone so that everything stays mediated, right? Like I don't want to rock the boat, I don't yeah. want anything, and so like that's that's a coping mechanism that I developed early on was like that people pleasing sort of thing that I am definitely like getting out of, but it is something that I developed, and I feel like Hallie is kind of the opposite of that, where she's got this like very um her her sort of way of dealing with things is to confront them head on and just sort of be like this is what's bothering me if we don't get it out of the way now like we can't move forward you know um to almost a point where she can be like really aggressive sometimes you know so it's like i think that's also why we fight a lot is because we have those very different like ideas of dealing with problems so like sometimes it'll just be like I'm gonna say this thing that's pissing me off and I'm like okay but also like why did you have to say that you know
2: yeah I definitely (laughs) am very confrontational and very very (laughs) much the handle confrontation the opposite of you (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: um but anyway so I think I we can move on move forward uh for Mm -hmm. the purposes Mm -hmm. of this conversation to talk about our personal experiences with Frozen um so or or actually Hallie, do you want to give us like a little mild synopsis of Frozen before we talk about like dive deep into it?
2: Um, sure, I can do that. <laughs> um and your best Olaf voice.
1: <laughs>
2: <is>. <laughs> I I I was re, when I was re-watching it, I was like, I didn't realize it took so long for Olaf to come because I feel like that's everyone, all the kids' favorite characters. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but frozen is a disney movie that takes place in arendelle and it's about two sisters one of them has powers where she can turn everything into snow or she just i don't know what she can just turn into ice ice into snow (laughs) um and at a young age she hurt her sister her little sister so that her parents decided that she needed to keep it a secret and they locked the doors of the castle and then fast forward the parents die (laughs) (laughs)
1: and <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> i think she's
2: of a um elsa's her of coordination yeah. yeah she's a, of age it's her coordination to become the queen so they open the gates everything is great but then she has a meltdown because her sister decides she wants to get married to a man she just met that day and she <laughs> reveals her powers to the world so they think she's a monster she runs away and hides and lives her best life cue <laughs> let it go <laughs> adina menzel singing it beautifully um yeah oh and that you know the reveal of her new fit and <laughs> her braid she just really came into herself in that moment um <laughs> they go to find her um they meet olaf and the han what, wait no hans is the what's the one christoph, christoph, christoph. yes they find christoph he takes they <laughs> go on an adventure to to find her and bring her back, she doesn't want to come back, and then she freezes this little sister's heart. And they need to figure out what's wrong. So they go somehow. The troll family is also <laughs> what is his name again? Kristoff. Kristoff's <laughs> parents. <laughs> he was raised by the trolls that that mm-hmm. initially told her to hide her powers. Um, and they my mind was frozen. <laughs> they they tell him it's true. An uh, act of true love will will unth- will thaw her heart. So they go to Hans, but they realize Hans was a a snake. So, um, it takes the sister Elsa coming back and Anna going in front of her to save her to realize like it, the act was an act of true love, and so it was the, the sister love, not any you know, true love's kiss yeah romantic yeah. love yeah. which I love because I feel like a, that's not often that Disney movies don't make it about true love's kiss yeah. which we well, just
0: talked about at length in our uh, Giselle episode <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty yes. much it they, they saw the world or they saw
1: Arendelle <laughs> and live happily ever after kind of Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. for the most part yeah. Yeah. until Frozen 2
2: <laughs> <laughs> right but I haven't seen which... that one so in my head they live happily ever after
1: <laughs> Which, yeah, you should see just for um it, it it's interesting because they go more into like Elsa's past and and ha- like her powers and stuff and I think that is pretty interesting. Um but yes, thank you for that synopsis. Um so my first experience with the movie, I I saw it three times when it came out. The first was I'm trying to remember if this was the year my sis my my best friend who I call my sister interchangeably. Um I was hoping to get her on the podcast but it's it's okay cuz I thought it'd be fun to have like a little sister episode um but our schedules didn't line up. It's okay. Anyway, we have matching tattoos too. Um <laughs> we have ours also has kind of a deepish meaning but it's I can't show you cuz it's on my ankle but it's the lambda symbol the wavelength symbol because we're always talking about how we're on the same wavelength. Um, Aww, so. I know it's so cute. Um, I don't remember if it's the year she split her lip open and we had to see it. We, we saw it in theaters together, but I know I saw it twice with her. And I think once with my family. Um, And I remember just like loving it right, right away. Um, I related to Elsa so much and like the whole, you know, conceal, don't feel like, especially with my parents and our family dynamic it was very much like emotions like sadness and anger or even just like exuberance and and joy are not to be seen it was very much Mm -hmm. like just be a blank slate because you are more acceptable that way um and so yeah I just definitely related to all of the struggles that she was going through and trying to like figure out this really awesome gift that she has but not uh one being told that it's it's a curse and is dangerous and all of the like limiting beliefs that she develops around that and the fear she develops around herself and and the world um and then just the the journey she goes on to embrace that like she's not what people perceive her to be or how she has perceived herself and like that that shift in her perspective of herself Um, something I relate to a lot. And I, I really love. Um, and I just found Anna really annoying <laughs> the first couple of times, but now as an adult, I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. I, I can see. I understand. I mean, it, we, and we'll get into this, but it's like her attachment style is very like anxious and like a little bit codependent, which makes sense given that she was kind of ignored. Like Elsa got a lot of attention. It seems like, um and all she wanted was like her sister back and all she wanted was to be seen acknowledged and noticed which like she has a whole song about in in the coronation song that I can't remember now off the top of my head um so it makes sense but I just found her like yeah I just found her really like desperate and clinging and needy and I was like "Eh." I definitely really Ah. liked Elsa as well
2: so if we're trying to you know If I'm supposed to be Anna because I'm the younger sister, that's a no.
0: No, no, I am Anna. I think it's clear that (laughs) I think it's pretty clear that I am Anna out of our sibling relationship, even though, like you said, like Elsa, like had the sort of like, oh, I'm going to do this because I'm protecting my little sister. However, like, I, I, I love Anna. I love Anna. And I think like the thing I love most about Anna is that she is just like authenticity through and through like she is just like she's weird and she's awkward but she also is just herself and a little she's like really quirky and I think of all the Disney princesses like if I really had to sit and think and relate to a Disney princesses it's like you know I really see myself in Moana I really see myself in Esmeralda like I see myself in all these princesses but like is Anna who my real true personality is the closest to? Maybe.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like you wouldn't run away and go rogue as easily as I probably would.
0: Yeah. You, you be, yeah, you, yeah. So true. So you're the wayward child as our Nana puts it. Hallie is the wayward child. And yeah. So I, I love Anna and like I relate to her because I also do have that like sort of anxious attachment style and that sort of like fear of um, like I think hers is definitely like a fear of the people who she cares about leaving her that like fear of abandonment because it happened like her worst fear happened which was that her family her parents died and her sister shut her out she had no one for years and when she was finally able to like have the opportunity to meet people and connect with them i think of course she like attached to this person who seemed like the perfect person for her he seemed awkward he seemed quirky as well but it was like an act just to sort of get on on her like get her to trust him and all of that um yeah. but anyway all that to say like love 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 anna i don't know that i loved her the first time i saw it um And I think it's funny that you two like Elsa because in this rewatch, I think I was so maybe it's because I was relating to Anna a lot because of what I'm going through in my life right now, you know, with the breakup and whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just saw Elsa as very cold, which I think is funny because her powers are literally (laughs) ice. And I was like, (laughs) she's also being she's just so cold. And I know that that is like her trauma response to whatever she's going through. But to have a sister who doesn't talk to you, who doesn't tell you what she's going through, who literally shuts you out, like, um, and pushes people away so hard. It was like, that to me was like, I couldn't imagine having
1: a sibling relationship like that. You know what I mean? That's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my brother and I, we we like did not talk about feelings. And, and like I mentioned earlier, that's something where, kind of figuring out and working through like he still doesn't he doesn't know about this podcast he doesn't know about like the work I do on on Instagram or anything like that um so I I relate to Elsa in that my parents instilled these limiting beliefs in in myself that I was a burden and I can't take up too much space and to just like to be kind of cold and reserved and like shut myself off from the world because that is the best way to exist um, in, in their opinion. And that's taken a lot of work to outgrow. And um, at, at the time of watching the movie for the first couple of times, I really loved Elsa's song, like Let It Go, where she just is, you know, out. No rules, no no right, no wrong, none of that. Like she's, she's free to be herself. Um, and that's something I had always aspired to have. And now I do. And it is really nice. But anyway um yeah um
0: our first time Hallie I'm 90% sure we saw this movie together for the first time do you agree oh I think we saw it at the theater and like it came out in November of 2013 so I would have already been in New York but I think I was home for Thanksgiving maybe or Christmas maybe Mm -hmm.
2: I I I think you might be right because I think I also saw it twice and I think I saw it with you and then I saw it with some friends because I remember obnoxiously dancing to the credit scene when it's <laughs> Demi's version of Let It Go.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Demi Lovato. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah much- we uh
0: yeah I'm 90% sure we saw this together and I think I extra appreciated that it was like a sister movie that I got to see with you like it was about sister love and not about romantic love Mm -hmm. because i Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure that we saw it with mom like it was like we all went as a family um you know um and then the song let it go was everywhere Everywhere. and as a person who works with kids i hated it not (laughs) because it's a bad song but because it was the only song that any child wanted to listen to at any point in time um, and the little boy I was babysitting for at the time, which is not the current family that I have and talk about, but a different kid who I had in, 23- in uh, uh, 2013, yeah, he was obsessed, obsessed, and would, like, mm. listen to it on repeat every day. Um, and I like the soundtrack. I think it's a great soundtrack. I know Hallie wants to talk about the soundtrack. But um, I think another reason that I like Anna is because she's an alto she's she's not <laughs> my vocal range um and so I do like to sing love is an open door uh as a duet like with my like if love is an open door is an option for a duet I really like to sing that um for karaoke and also for the first time in forever singing honest part um as karaoke like I really I obviously love karaoke and so like those are two karaoke songs from the soundtrack that I have adopted into my um arsenal when i realized like love is an open door is perfectly within my vocal range i can also sing both parts because you know deep voice or whatever but
1: yeah
2: i think um it's crazy the movie came out in 2013 because i feel like and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong but just based off of i work for disney on ice sometimes and based off of the way that it's the finale in Disney on Ice and and kids still to this day love it so much. I, I'm like, this movie had an impact. Like, I can't yeah. believe it came out in 2013 because kids still dress up as Elsa. And I mean, I know kids dress up as Cinderella and then it came out in the 50s, but like, <laughs> but kids really love this movie. It's like the most recent movie that I feel like has made a strong impact on children and the Disney universe. And when they would sing it at, I know you were tired of hearing it, but that wasn't my experience. And when they would sing that <laughs> song during Busy on Ice, all the little kids would sing too. And it would make me cry. It was so cute. Aww. Just, a room, just imagine a an arena full of children singing the chorus of that song is so cute. <laughs>
0: that is, that's really precious. No. And also we had, um, we had uh chloe on for our cinderella episode and she has her own character fant- like character hiring business where mm-hmm. you can hire characters to like go perform at children's birthday parties and according like according to her elsa is the most requested like the number one most requested princess to have at a birthday party like it is elsa 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 and like you know, sometimes Chloe, and like Chloe does Elsa and she's like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna be Elsa. Put me, I wanna be, you know, like put me in, let me be Cindy, let me be someone else. Um, But yeah, like I think like, I don't know, I can't speak as to why, but it is definitely like a phenomenon and like little girls do still love Elsa and like there's something very, powerful about her, you know. She is one thing that I do like about Elsa, she is the most independent princess. I was gonna I would say she's a strong
2: independent woman.
0: She's a queen, <laughs> you know, like she's a queen. She does not have a romantic partner. Um which I think some people are doing that uh are doing like the gay coding of Elsa of like she's like a queer icon <laughs> or whatever. Um but like, you know, I think that there's a lot of like um I think there's a lot to say about the fact that like kids are obsessed with this character who is um, she is so powerful and she doesn't have that like romantic partner and she doesn't have like, and she just has this like sort of grounded, even though she is very cold, like I said, and even though she, um, she had all of those self doubts and everything that we've kind of touched on already, like, she is very empowered through her powers by the end and i think that um i think that that's perhaps what the kids take away from it i'm i'm not really sure but i do think if there is something to be said about the fact that this is now um 10 years old and uh and still is the cultural phenomenon that it is yeah
1: yeah i i I think there is a natural pull in in this generation of children that I love toward like the really strong character like when Encanto came out they did a lot of um marketing and a lot of merch for Isabella the just like pretty one with the flowers but all the kids wanted Luisa the really Mm -hmm. you know the 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 strong character and I think it's just a testament that I think that there's like don't know there's just like a shift and and kids really just love strong women so give us more strong women in media who don't need a man um or whatever so (laughs) anyway um before we get into like themes and takeaways Hallie I know like because you have to go soonish um I want you to feel like you were able to say everything you wanted to say so um take it away
2: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I think about the me watching it in 2013 which is the Hallie that just graduated high school so I was a lot younger and very much confused and concerned about what I wanted to do with my life so I think that when I watched it at that time it was maybe at first it was kind of a distraction and I was like excited and because Demi sang on it and it was just Mm -hmm. a nice little escape but I think I also really liked how sure of Elsa how, how sure Elsa was of herself and mm-hmm. I think that's why I really related to her and really um admired her and just really liked that movie for even though I was at the time 18 years old like why am I so obsessed with this Disney movie <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I I think that now looking back it's like it's great that it's become so iconic and that it 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 does it is centered around sisterly love rather than a romantic partner thing and I just love that I love that kids love it I love that it's so strong and powerful and that is what people have to look up to
1: yeah I I I like the movie for all the reasons you just said too I think it it was a different how do I say because I'm also thinking like rave came out around the same time so i think it was just an era where they were focusing less on romantic love and like finding a person and finding your true love or whatever more focused on like reclaiming self love which i think is really cool but i think that's also the reason why i don't love anna as much as i would like to because i do think personality wise i am anna um just like a little awkward and quirky and and like (laughs) I don't know like whenever she the the scene when she's talking to Hans and they're having their little moment and she's like gesturing and like smacks him in the face like that's just something I I could see myself doing Um, but I think a, a reason why I didn't love her as much is because it was just like she meets Hans falls in love thinks he's her one true love and then Elsa's like, you can't marry a man you just met. But then she meets Kristoff and they've known each other for maybe two days. And she's like, oh my God. And I'm like, oh, woman, <laughs> please no, <laughs> please stop. Um, but I mean, I do love Kristoff. He's he's very sweet and cute. And I love his song in Frozen too. I think it's just so cheesy and ridiculous and wonderful. I love Sven. Um, Sven. Sven, yeah. <laughs> who, who's the funky lucky doggy? Sven. And who's the Raven? Sven. Um, Sven. <laughs> no they're very they're they're great um heather what about you what were some of like the main messages or takeaways that you got from the movie
0: i mean pretty much all of the same things that y'all have said um i think something that i really took away from it this time so you know i actually haven't watched this movie in a really long time um And like I said, I think like working with kids kind of left the soundtrack with like not really a sour taste in my mouth, but you just know you hear the same thing over and over again, you get sick of it. So it had been a while since I had seen it and I had kind of written this movie off um, as like not as like a Disney movie that I didn't really like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm. you know, it just like was never one of my favorites. So, you know, I I look back to like my favorites for, you know, like Moana and the ones that I like really love. And, um, and upon rewatching this time, it just kind of like reminded me of that it is actually a very good movie and that it does have a lot of merit as like being a good, like staple, um, and something that I took away from it this time, um, this like overarching theme of like fear, uh, like Elsa being afraid to use her powers and, and Anna being afraid to be alone, um. And like something that I kind of took away from it this time that felt really empowering for me watching, like I said, given what I'm kind of going through right now is that love is the antithesis of fear. Um, but it doesn't have to be romantic love, right? Like just, um, loving yourself can be that, or like loving, loving your, your sibling, loving, like a loving relationship, like love being the antithesis of fear, uh, like love can be letting like when you're afraid to let go of something like love can be saying like okay this is the best thing for me right now or um or like with Elsa like learning to love her powers rather than be afraid of them you know those kinds of things um I really took that away from the movie this time um and also relating that to sort of like a sense of acceptance too, like love fear and acceptance all kind of tied into one yeah
1: yeah i think that's definitely something elsa struggles with is like self-acceptance but then also feeling accepted by others because of her powers like her even though they were well-intentioned her parents definitely instilled the belief that like you're just all of these like really negative beliefs about herself and her powers and that she couldn't go out until it was under control um which they weren't really trying to teach her control they were trying to teach her how to hide it right like to not Mm -hmm. conceal don't feel and that's not the same as controlling um right i actually i actually found a note in my phone from april of 2021 about Mm -hmm. elsa's fear of failure um and i wrote down that elsa says i can't when anna's like we can we can like when she finds her at the castle the ice castle and she's like we can figure this out together like let's go down and fix all of this. And Elsa's like, I can't in response. She actually to- sings it. Oh, excuse ah, me. Yeah, I- <laughs> she, she sings it in a big, like, maelstrom of a snowstorm. and um, <laughs> But she's singing it in response to undoing something that she's done, but she won't even try because she's so scared of, of failing and she's scared of making it worse while projecting a lot of those, like, self-limiting beliefs because she believes herself and her powers to be too dangerous and uncontrollable. And I think first of all, there are so many parallels that could be made between that and like a healing journey in general. Um, but I just wanted to highlight that it like how quickly and how easily it is to just say, I can't, um, and how sometimes behind that, what some may see as a defeatist attitude is actually just fear versus like an actual, like versus saying like I don't have the capability to do the thing Um, and sometimes Heather like what you're saying it takes another person reflecting and giving the love that we need for ourselves to believe we can do something or at least give us the love encouragement support and space to just try because I think that was like Elsa's whole thing was she couldn't really like she wasn't given other than the room that she was in to really try it was just like you either are not showing your powers at all or you're on the complete other side of everything and it's like out of control and there was no opportunity for her to work even toward like control it was just like one or the other so um it is really sweet that Anna is so patient and so kind and um really loves Elsa despite I mean however many years it's been since the 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 incident when they were kids um, and I think that is I think that is really sweet because there's another part of me that would have been like you don't have like family <laughs> there's another part of me that's like family isn't like a a requirement to stick with people who haven't been there for you or have treated you poorly but in this mm-hmm. movie and in this instance, I think it's actually really sweet that despite everything Anna is still there for Elsa and I think mainly it's because in some kind of way maybe once Elsa's powers are revealed Anna realizes the struggle that Elsa was going through the whole time um, yeah yeah
2: yeah I think that's a big thing is like hiding what you're going through like that's a big kind of parallel in the movie and something that um is probably relatable to a lot of people is just like not asking for help or not knowing how to ask for help and trying to put on a mask and seem like you know what's going on or 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 um not even being an imposter but more so just like pretending to be okay or like pretending to be somebody that you're not
1: yeah yeah yeah. because I mean in in Elsa's song god now I can't remember what it's called but she's like repeating to herself you know conceal don't feel be the good girl you always have to be put on a show don't let them don't let them know and that's like something she's heard repeatedly as a as a as a kid and I think as a kid that's like so confusing because you don't you don't know how to not be yourself like like I think kids are born with an innate sense of authenticity and just yeah authenticity and and being genuine and it's not it (laughs) and then as we grow up we are told to be one way or to fit into society standard this way or like yeah hi- hiding and and um is what is acceptable and i think that can then create a lot of perfectionism and people pleasing because they're learning that hiding hiding to make other people happy or because that's what other people told us will make us because what other people have told us will make us like better or more acceptable Uh,
0: this is something that I struggle with like as a recovering people pleaser who is a like nanny and helps like raise children I really struggle and this is like if I ever become a parent I know I will struggle with this as well is like I really struggle with like when the kids are doing something that is like not normal I'll put that in quotes right like like when they're um so, like, for example, the little boy I babysit, he doesn't sometimes, like, respond to people. um, And it really bothers me because I'm, like, you need to acknowledge, like, your friend just said hello to you. Like, you must, you need to, like, acknowledge that your friend said hello. Like, just, like, these little things that I notice that I, like, try to change about them because it will help them fit in more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, And, like, and I find, I notice myself doing that sometimes where I'm, like, oh, you just did this thing that was like not okay. And then there's a part of me that's like, okay, was it actually not okay? Or was I taught that it's not okay? So now I'm teaching mm-hmm. them that it's not okay. Like, mm-hmm. of course it's not okay to hit and it's not okay to, you know, do like, like there are things that it is not okay to do, but like, is this specific thing worth bringing up about not being okay? And I know that like this, it is it is societal conditioning that's like in me. um, And then I'm looking at the kids that I am, babysitting and being like oh am I just like projecting onto them the things that I had learned and like because I want them to be as quote-unquote normal as possible because I wasn't normal you know like those kinds of things so it's very interesting um to see but one thing that I really like about Anna is that she maintained that authenticity that her like childlike wonder um into her adulthood whereas like Elsa something that we talk about on this podcast a lot like Elsa didn't really get to be a kid like we got to see her be a kid with her sister for a very brief period of time at the beginning and then once her parents were like you have to hide this um she didn't play with her sister anymore she wouldn't and that's what the whole song do you want to build a snowman is about right (laughs) like um so Yeah. yeah I think it's just that parallel of like Elsa didn't get to be a kid and Anna did. And that does sometimes fall as a burden onto the older sibling because of what we talked about at the beginning of like the older sibling is sometimes protecting the younger sibling from whatever it is that they need or think that they need protecting from. Um, And the older sibling sometimes doesn't get to be a kid so that the younger sibling can. uh, Yeah. Sometimes, you know. Not saying that's what happened with me and Hallie, although in some ways it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I I think that's definitely what happened with me and my brother. Not really by my choice, but those mm-hmm. were just the circumstances that they were. And I mean, I think in a lot of ways it was beneficial for him because I I love my brother so much, and he is a very like he's a sensitive boy. So I think he needed he needed that. Um, and I. And now, as an adult, like reclaiming my inner child and inner teen and and all of that stuff, and I don't I think I would like to get to a point where I can ask him about all of those kinds of things too, but um for right now he seems he seems okay, he seems good, <laughs> yeah um Hallie, I know you have to go soon, so if it's okay, we might do a quick little pivot into the soundtrack, and then Heather and I can wrap up with more like messages and takeaways if that's okay yeah that's cool okay um you mentioned that you really like the soundtrack tell me more about what you love about the soundtrack I think it's iconic they
2: had Idina Menzel not only voice Elsa but sing her parts because I feel like sometimes they'll just have a singer sing the parts um yeah I really love Demi Lovato I have a strange obsession with her so (laughs) the fact that she was on there really felt like stars were aligning Mm um I think yeah like Heather said like all the songs are very singable and and catchy which is typical with Disney soundtracks but I feel like specifically these ones were just good I don't know they just sounded good and like sounded like you could listen to them but mostly it was Demi a
0: note a note that I have about Adina Menzel voicing Anna I mean voicing Elsa is that um she has a very distinct singing voice, like a very clear, distinct singing voice. So you can obviously tell, like, for the most part, I feel like when she sings, a lot of her songs have the same like feel to them. Like you're like, oh, that's Adina Menzel, like when she's singing in Wicked, when she's singing in, mm. you know, like it's it, they all feel like have similar feels to them. But what I appreciate is that her voice acting, you can't really tell that it's her voicing Elsa when she is in her using her speaking voice which I think is kind of cool because it's like you can't sometimes really help or control how you sound when you sing that's just like how you sound when you yeah. sing she's got a very distinct singing voice but if we took her singing out of it like I wouldn't just like my ear wouldn't pick up on the fact that it was her voicing Elsa like it does sound like it's it it, it
1: I think she does a good job with her voice acting there. Yeah. Hallie, is there a song from the soundtrack that like really, really relates to, I don't know why I'm doing a punching motion, but you know, that <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I don't want to be basic, but
2: Frozen was obviously, or Let It Go was obviously a great one. I mean, and- it's a very
1: powerful song.
2: Mm-hmm. And and for the first time in forever is really cool.
1: Yeah, I do like that one. Well, we just get to see. I think it really lays the the foundation for where both of the girls are like post this traumatic thing. Like a lot of these traumatic things that have happened to them, but like how they're dealing with depression and grief, and now their attachment styles and and that sort of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like that song a lot lot too i really need you to watch the second one or <laughs> re-listen to the soundtrack just because then i want to see how you feel about her other power ballad into the mm-hmm. unknown versus like in the context of the movie like versus let it go because i think mm-hmm. as, as another elsa fan i i <laughs> just need to know your opinion we'll have you on for another episode about that
2: <laughs> yes frozen two. <laughs> yeah
1: um
0: and so since you have to go soon Hallie do you have any like favorite themes or characters or quotes from the movie
2: um favorite themes. I mean I think it was interesting how like you said with the whole fear thing how manipulative Hans was like it was kind of I feel like it was really like scary because it was like not only was he really manipulative it was like yeah we are gonna kill her and, and I was just like wow like I don't remember this being so super dark harsh yeah. and violent yeah and it was like you know he he lied and said that that she died it was like all this stuff I was like wow this is like really intense and really <laughs> I don't I really enjoyed like the um the duality of it because it was very light-hearted and you have Olaf and he's so cute he runs around his little flurry but then you have just <laughs> this, this like really dark heavy side of the movie and I feel like it it kind of flopped back and forth and it was just really I don't know I really liked that that it was just so one way or the other and not just kind of like um I I just feel like the storyline had a lot of depth and it wasn't just like one character arc or one you know climb climactic thing I feel like there was a lot of like underlying layers in it
1: yeah Yeah. we're like Hans didn't start off the villain and like you really think this is going to be a movie about true love. And then the twist happens and you're like, what? Yeah. 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 I remember yeah, like it's... watching that movie with my jaw just like dropped. And I I was like in the middle of eating popcorn. I, and I was it. like, what? <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. Also <laughs> it's like. one of those things that I wish I could witness for the first time again.
0: Anyway, sorry. Go mm-hmm. ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say like another way that I relate to Anna is that give me an awkward redhead and yeah I would have fallen I would have been tricked <laughs> as well uh into you know almost getting married in a day You <laughs> and <laughs> your redheads I know like, that's what I'm saying like so like Hallie you made a joke before we started recording about like how you were surprised or maybe we had started recording um but before we got into the meat of the episode about how you were surprised that Olaf was only in like the second half of the movie because he's like all the kids favorite characters um i think Olaf is surprisingly upon this rewatch that i did i think Olaf is my favorite character oh i just Anna. i
2: i was checking my notes and i i have a quote from Olaf and he says love is putting someone else's needs before yours which mm. is like i don't i don't know i didn't remember him being so I thought he was just like funny and silly character and he's actually like really cute like he says something else like like some people are worth melting for and it's just like so, yes. he was so deep and I just yeah. remember him being like silly and like oh look I've been stat- impaled
1: I- okay yeah see okay. that I've been impaled yeah. this is why I need you to watch the second because he like starts <laughs> developing more of a of a brain I guess and like he starts to get really deep and philosophical and he's starting to like feel things and like really connect with his own humanity in some kind of way, his own sentientness. Um, it, so <laughs> it's, it's really funny. So a, a really
0: funny quote from the second one, Hallie, he uh like, it's right at the beginning when things start going wrong for them. Um, He goes, we're calling this controlling what you can when things feel out of control. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought that that was so funny. Olaf for me, definitely had a lot more depth than i realized as well like upon this rewatch and the when he says some people are worth melting for i just like started bawling because i was like mm-hmm. oh my god i forgot about this quote um i forgot he says this and it just like it just hit me in the heart um but i think also the nuance of that quote and the nuance of the other quote that you mentioned about like love is putting someone else's needs before your own is like love is it's not just putting someone else's needs before your own but it's realizing that your needs that their needs are just as important as yours Mm -hmm. right like Like,
2: acknowledging Mm -hmm.
0: yeah like it's not like putting everything before you like in that people-pleasing kind of way we talked about this a little bit on our Giselle episode as well about like you know sacrificing your own wants and needs for the sake of someone else but realizing that their needs are just as important as yours. And if you can't like have that like equal balance of like I'm supporting you and your needs, you're supporting me and my needs, you know, then something then the conversation needs to happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's less about like putting someone else's needs above your own, but prioritizing both in a way that is healthy for the both of you so that you don't fall into people pleasing and fawning and all that kind of stuff.
2: well and I think the movie has like a tone of kind of selfishness in the beginning and 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 it kind of has that arc of you know they need to learn that lesson of being selfless for each other for their sister and and letting like Elsa needing to let Anna in and let people in and let people help her it's like she wanted Mm -hmm. to try to do everything on her own or just isolate herself and it and she needed that support she needed her sister and yeah I think a lot of us have trouble like admitting that we need help or just acknowledging it or or um maybe just feel scared or ashamed of their
1: feelings yeah yeah no that's a really good point um yeah I think we we all need people like Anna um The the Elsa's need their Anna's because I definitely (laughs) have friends who I think embody Anna a little bit more and I do appreciate that even, so like, I think I mentioned this in the Giselle episode too, but like this, the first half of this year has not been great and I definitely went into like shutdown mode, but my friends were still texting me. They were still inviting me out. They didn't take offense to when I would like say no or, you know, and they wouldn't like be too pushy about me getting out or like spending time with them um they like recognized i was going through my own thing but like they were they kept reminding me that they were still there and that was really really sweet and really beautiful and i think that that is love in something small like that i think a lot of times especially in movies and in media um just because that's the nature of it of of those things love seems this like seems like this really big grandiose gesture and like really over the top you know but i think it's also important to remember that Even though Anna showed love by, or like, you know, an act of true love by sacrificing herself, her just being there and minding Elsa that she wasn't alone is sometimes enough. And I think plants the seed that we then see grow in Elsa of like the confidence and accepting herself and letting people in. Um, So,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that.
2: Yeah. I love that your, your comparison to it, um, not having to be like a big gesture. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, love is the little things. <laughs> it
1: is. It can be. Anyway, I know you have to go soonish. Is there? Are there any last things that you would like to say, comment on? Well, I want to say
2: thank you guys for having me. Um, you know, I feel like Heather and I have a very extensive, in-depth relationship that would probably need a podcast episode of its own, <laughs> 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 but. Um, I feel like just that, um, the, at the end of the day, you know, just having that kind of like unconditional love and care for someone and not judging them no matter how they are. I feel like that's something that I find comes easier to me with her than like other friendships or relationships that I have. It's like find myself judging their actions and doing this and doing that. And it's like, I don't, I feel like no matter what Heather does, I might get annoyed and I might brush it off, but it's like, you know, she's still my sister. She's still going to be there for me. She's still going to answer when I need to, need to talk and, and vice versa. Like we kind of act as each other's rocks and, you know, I feel like I hope that more people have, or can develop that kind of relationship with somebody. Cause it's, I don't know, it's something that I need and I'm glad I have you Heather.
0: Yeah. And it's also nice that we're in different time zones, because if it's late, I know I can call her. And if it's (laughs) early, she knows she can call me. So it's like, you know, um, we do just kind of like use each other as a sounding board sometimes of like, this is what I'm going through and I just need to vent to you about it because life is hard.
1: That's so cute. I love it. (laughs) That's so sweet um I I definitely feel like I relate to that with my best friend like she's the kind of person that I just have so much unconditional love for and I know she has it for me and we've gone through our ups and downs where like we didn't talk for a year and it was like whole thing but um I know that like she is it's so cheesy but like she is my person and um I know that she'll always be there for me and very similar to what you said Hallie that like even if we are doing things, the other person doesn't really agree or quote unquote approve of or whatever that like, it's always, we just, there's just always love, you know, and it's nice knowing that I, I have this person in my corner and I will always have this person in my corner, um, because that makes life a little bit more bearable. (laughs) Mm Yeah. Yeah thank you for being on this was so fun it was nice to get the double hb experience (laughs) (laughs) yes yes and if you want to follow
0: my little sister um her handle is at not hallie berry right
2: Mm -hmm. h-a-l-i-e
0: yeah she got an i in in it but you can link to the show notes for that information as well um uh, for her instagram and um yeah, we'll keep you updated on any, um, any upcoming things. Uh, uh, Hallie's thinking about starting a podcast herself, but that's in the very, very, very oh. early like brain stages of development. So.
1: Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. how exciting. How fun.
0: And it, it's going to be, yeah, her, her idea is to have it be about like being a woman in audio engineering. Yeah, because so. there's
2: only 2% of women in the audio in- engineering industry, music industry, like doing sound in music or audio so
1: whoa yes oh i'm here for it i love
0: it so (laughs) yeah so we'll keep you updated on um on all the information about hallie's podcast if and when it happens hopefully you know yeah thank you guys love you love you bye bye yay
1: so we'll continue the episode without her goodbye (laughs) (laughs) bye um i think before we had to pivot into kind of a a little bit of the music because that's Hallie's, um, area of expertise, I suppose. Um, some, I think we, we touched on it at the beginning, but some of the main messages or takeaways for me were like around feelings, you know, feel like feel your feelings is the main, is the main thing that, um, I think for me growing up, like I said, I was conditioned to believe that like you you don't want to feel anything or like you shouldn't feel you shouldn't feel too much in, in any sense of of that phrase like whether it be too much happiness or too much sadness or whatever because it was always like invalidated or dismissed by my parents were like if I were super happy about something they'd criticize it if I was like super sad about something they'd be like get over it or you know people have it worse or whatever so I That's why I think I relate to Elsa, too, in that I just ended up trying to suppress a lot of feelings because I didn't have the safe space or the healthy outlet to express them. Um, And also that hiding the feelings is not the same as controlling them. Um, And we see very clearly that like suppressing them doesn't mean you're managing them or processing them in a very healthy way and they will find a way to come out like when she's holding mm-hmm. the the stuff at her coordination like it's starting to get icy or her her powers are definitely reactionary to her feelings um and yeah, so all of that to say that we can try our best to like not acknowledge or not process not feel, but the things will still come out in other, ways and it's important to recognize recognize those those different ways I think like for me it's when I'm starting to get like short or snappy with with my boyfriend or I'm just like overly irritated and I'm like okay there's clearly something underlying here let me take a step back and do some self-reflection and um process this a little bit differently and I think that's like another great um Another thing I like about therapy or coaching or just like having that allotted space and time for a non- non-judgmental non space and time to to just let it out, let it go, <laughs> as, yeah. as, as Elsa would say.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I can relate to that a lot too because it's like there are some feelings that you have that you feel like you shouldn't have. And then what happens is like, you suppress them, or they don't feel good, so it sucks. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't feel good to feel some of the things that you're feeling. Um, like if you're going through heartbreak, like that doesn't feel good, and you don't want to just like feel heartbreak, right? Um, but something that I've kind of like realized through working with my therapist, it, and something that you know you can it's just you're right it comes out in other areas of your life is like the more that you decide you're not going to feel something or think something like if there's a thought that you keep having um if you judge yourself for the thought or for the feeling that makes it's it's like adding a whole new layer to the thought or the feeling too is like that self-judgment that comes from it Um, and so like, what's really important is to not only allow yourself to feel the things you're feeling or to have the thoughts you're having, but also not to judge them and to acknowledge, like, this is what I'm thinking right now. This is how I'm feeling right now. And then instead of, instead of like judging yourself or stuffing it down, allowing yourself to recognize it and then try to let it try to move forward from it. Um, yeah and a really great tool that happens in like meditation um practices uh, is like putting the thought on a leaf or a cloud and watching it float away right like if you put it on a leaf and watch it float down a stream or put it on a cloud and watch it like of course that's easier said than done, and it comes with a lot of practice um yeah. but like At least that way, you're having the thought or the feeling and experiencing it. And rather than trying to stuff it down or bury it, you're acknowledging that it's there and then saying, this doesn't serve me. And so I'm just letting it go, like to bring back, like let it go. Let it go. And then just like let it and let it go. Um, Because the thoughts and feelings, the more you try to stuff them down or hide them or bury them, the more they're going to come up in other areas of your life. Um, And so, or, or they'll pop up when you least expect it. And you'll be like having a good moment or a great day. And then you'll suddenly be suddenly that thought will come back and be like, this is that thought that I've had. Right. Right. Um, And it just like does not, it doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve us to dwell on these things. Um, But like dwelling and, experience and like feeling are like two different things right so it's like I'm not gonna dwell I'm not gonna wallow but I am gonna recognize and allow and and try to move forward you know
1: no that's a really good point because I think oftentimes especially for trauma survivors that like if a thing keeps coming up or like you're still talking about it people are like why aren't you over this yet you know and it's not that we're not over it it's that one either we're We're still processing it, which like there is no timeline. there is no deadline for any of those things. Or also, like being able to talk about it more freely is part of the healing process, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I really liked what you said about the meditation because that was definitely like I did not think I would like meditation. i I was under the belief that meditation is sitting and having no thought, no feeling, and just like sitting in complete silence. But as someone who, who does internalize a lot of things there is a lot of inner chatter and it wasn't until I did a practice I don't remember which app I was using or whatever but they made the analogy of like watching passing cars just like come and go because the whole Mm -hmm. point of meditation isn't to be sitting in complete silence but it's to just accept the present moment for what it is with whatever comes up but acknowledging that like like if the thought keeps coming up and the whole reason why you put it on the leaf on the cloud in a car is that you'll just deal with it later. Or like some people do like the golden box thing where like a golden box comes down from the sky, put the thought Mm -hmm. in the box and let the box go down the stream, you know, because (laughs) it's, it's not that we're like letting it go and that we're just not going to deal with it. It's, we're letting it go for now because right now we are just accepting, like we are trying to focus on the peace that meditation can bring or, this is like our time to just breathe, pause before we tackle the, give ourselves some breathing room before we tackle the the thing that keeps coming up or, or whatever. Um, And I think what you were saying too, about like judging ourselves for those thoughts, feelings, patterns, behaviors, you know, whatever they might be. I think a lot of that is like guilt versus shame, which versus or guilt versus shame, which I think Elsa definitely struggles with because- she inadvertently on accident hurts her sister um while they're playing and based on the reaction that everything gets instead of having this like opportunity for healthy guilt of oh no i made a mistake it turned in it quickly evolved into shame that lingered with her throughout her entire life or up until you know this movie until later in the movie of oh no I'm the mistake, you know, my powers are the mistake. And I, I just want to highlight that real quick, that that's kind of like the difference between guilt and shame. Like there is such a thing as healthy guilt. Like when you make a mistake, it's okay to feel guilty about making the mistake. The issue comes when it turns away, it it evolves from um, a mistake was made or I made a mistake to I was the mistake or it's, it, 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 it turns the focus away from the situation or from the action and more toward like yourself and your worth and who you are as like a person. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and that definitely can like stay and linger with a person for a lot longer than, than acknowledging and absolving the guilt. I think, especially when like Elsa, she has been repeatedly told that it's her powers, her issue, her thing that needs to be fixed or controlled and blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah.
0: And re- recognizing that, like, everybody makes mistakes, like people make mistakes. We all make mistakes, but that doesn't those mistakes don't make us bad people.
1: Right. Right. Um, and I, I, You know, perfectionism is kind of the thing I've been working on that I try and help other people with. And so much of perfectionism is less that like I have to do and and be perfect. Um, and be free of mistakes, but also that, like when a mistake does happen, it just like chips away at someone's worth and their value as a person. And that's just that's not true because we're we're human. We're innately imperfect. And as we've seen in Giselle and in um in um Barbie, that like there are some beauty. In not being perfect and not having it all figured out, um, and in this movie, I think to be like letting go. <laughs> we keep saying letting go, and every time I say it, I'm like, <laughs> like I cringe a little bit, and I'm also like, ha <laughs> ha um, Right. <laughs> <laughs> that like letting go of the expectations and like what Elsa does on the mountain of letting go of like the right and the wrong and the rules that she's been confined by or like the limiting beliefs that have been instilled in her gives her the freedom to like really tap into her power. And we see how beautiful her power is. Like she makes this really pretty dress and this, and Olaf and, and the, the castle. And it's not until Anna comes back and she's reconfronted by all of the fear um, and shame and, and all of that, that her powers go back to being to reactionary and kind of quote unquote out of her control and she creates like a scary snow golem and and you know her ice gets really like pointy and sharp and scary and um yeah yeah
0: yeah and I think it's also a commentary on decisions made out of fear or decisions made Mm -hmm. from fear rather than like empowered decisions um and it's not to say that like you know, decisions you make when you're in fear are sometimes there to protect you, right? Like you're doing Mm -hmm. that to protect yourself or to protect someone else because you are afraid of what might happen. Um, But I think like there are ways to recognize when you are making a decision out of fear rather than from a decision out of like empowerment or for the like, uh, like, what what is here to better serve the greater good rather than like me making this decision out of fear you know
1: yeah it, it does feel like both elsa and anna react versus respond like that's something that comes up in therapy a lot or just like general self-help is is learning how to stop re- just reacting because that's like when things are reactionary they're very like much out of our control. Um and taking the time to like step back and respond from, from what you're saying, like a very empowered, intentional, thoughtful place. Um, because I think it's those reactions that, it, it's just like habitual, it's second nature. And the only way really to like break a habit is to be intentional and thoughtful about it. Um, and And try really hard to do something differently. Um, Mm -hmm. and that takes a lot of time and practice. And like with Elsa, you know, she kind of not, I don't want, I don't want to use the word revert, but that's the only word I can think of is she does like, even though she has this really great moment where she's finally connecting to her powers and she feels really good about herself, she goes back to, to reacting when Anna shows up. And I think that's very relatable to a lot of us that we can put in so much work to undo a pattern, thought, behavior, whatever, but then something happens and we go, we respond that way just because it's been a defense mechanism or a coping mechanism or, you know, a way that we are familiar with. Um, And that's not always a bad thing because then you have the opportunity to recognize that that has happened and you recognize and acknowledge that this is my either body or brain's way of trying to keep me safe because we know how to handle this in this way. Um, And now I'm going to try and like do the different thing to make it more of a more of a habit. Um, Oh, another like message or takeaway I had this most recent watch through is that parents definitely have a lot of power over one's perception of themselves. I think for Elsa, we've talked about Elsa at length and like her perception of herself is like being scary being a monster being something that needs to be controlled or or that she's out of control and needs to be contained in some kind of way but I think for Anna her perception is that even though we don't really see it outright I could potentially see this belief that like she I don't know like in a weird way that like she wasn't enough like she wasn't enough to hold her parents' attention as much as Elsa held theirs. And it makes sense then, of course, as to why when other people are coming to the castle for the very first time or she meets Hans or whatever, that she's, like, excited. She's excited yeah. to have the opportunity to be acknowledged when she hasn't for, like, her entire life. And and I think, too, in meeting new people, they don't have... A pre existing perception of you, kind of, sort of, in a way. So she's like, This is my opportunity to like put my best foot forward and be as like good and acceptable and charming and cute as possible so that I can finally find where I belong to. Cause it's not clearly, it's not here in this castle because my sister doesn't even want me, you know, that kind of a thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like we mentioned briefly earlier, about that like fear of abandonment creating her anxious attachment style
1: Mm -hmm. um
0: because like i think it's like i think you know if we had like some sort of attachment expert on this podcast to talk i think they could talk at length about how like elsa is the embodiment of avoidant attachment and totally um anna is the embodiment of like an anxious attachment um and sort of her like desire to cling to anything that sort of not not like anything that gives her attention because that does sound sort of desperate but like that is what the anxious attachment style does it like latches yeah. on to anything that sort of gives it like a sense of hope and then you're like okay great this is my sense of hope I'm gonna stay here and I'm gonna stay here as long as I can um and sometimes people who have that anxious attachment um like we were mentioning with like Elsa making decisions from fear and like going back to like you know, using her, like, being afraid of hurting her sister and all of that, like, Anna's anxious attachment shows up in making, in her, deci- Anna making decisions for fear shows up in her anxious attachment of, like, I'm going to decide to marry this man after one day. That's a decision not only probably made from, like, the Disney fantasy world of just, like, how true love works in, in yeah. Disney, right? But, like, that's a decision that she made from fear because this is the first person who has showed her love and affection since she she doesn't want to go away.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So that's like, that's, that's what anxious attachment looks like, you know, in real life, like as adults, you know, like, not that we would get, not that people who identify as having anxious attachment would marry someone after a day, but it's very, (laughs) it is very hard to let go of what you perceive as, um, a a positive like it's it's very hard to let go of a situation even though you know it's not good for you um because you're afraid that that there is no like there's not something better there's not gonna
1: exactly yeah no I, I I totally I totally get that and we definitely see more of her anxious attachment with Elsa in the second movie um very much so I think I think in the second movie I actually like on it more even though she's like way more codependent but I think that's like her journey is is learning that one she I think she also veers into people pleasing a little bit where like everyone's happiness falls on her she has to make sure Elsa's happy and okay. She has to make sure the kingdom is okay. She has to make sure Kristoff is okay and like their relationship is okay or or whatever. And she doesn't really check in with herself to make sure she's okay because it's everyone else's happiness dictating her own happiness. Um, And that is very valid given what they've gone through. And it makes sense, of course, in the same way that like, now that she and Elsa are reconnected and they're close and they have like a really good relationship that she's scared of that going away she's scared of Elsa going away again um yeah and
0: it really comes out in the first song that she sings in the second one um called like nothing ever changes or something like I can't remember what it's some things never change (laughs) yeah some things never change because it's like that because like everything changes all the time and I think the this like the song is sort of pointing to the fact of like where she is mentally is just like, is like clinging to the fact that like, I finally have everything that I've wanted and I really don't want that to change, you know? Yeah. And of course it does obviously like through the course of the movie, it, it, all of it changes, but like that, like desire for things
1: not to change because it's finally the way that she wants it to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and i think that's another reason why i relate to elsa is she definitely has that like dismissive or avoidant um attachment style or even like disorganized or fearful um in development like in the developmental years disorganized attachment usually means that like the the person who is the source of um nurturing and love like your parents is also the source of harm mm. and i think she we see that a lot in her powers um and maybe a little bit with her parents because it is really interesting right right before they leave for the trip, like Anna runs up and gives them a hug, but Elsa like bows to them, so there's like definitely i think we could do a whole other episode on on that dynamic and that relationship, but I think there's there's definitely something there about um the way Elsa's relationship with her parents influenced her attachment style. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think another, like, message or takeaway that I I really liked in this movie is how depression and anxiety can look different. I think they Mm -hmm. both they both show different symptoms because I think there's like a general idea that depression is like sadness and anxiety is like fear. Um but we see that in both it displayed in very, very different ways. And that doesn't negate anyone's experience about those things. Um yeah. like Elsa definitely goes into like shutdown, isolation, out of both depression and anxiety. And then Anna is definitely like I need people. Like I need I need reassurance that everything's going to be okay. She definitely relies more on the external cues um, or even, I think she even might get a little, not that we really ever see this, but it feels like she's, she might have been a little avoidant in dealing with the grief and depression and stuff. Um, I would like to have seen that explored a little bit more, but that's okay.
0: Yeah. Um no, I get that. I think that's another reason why I relate to her as a character is because like that is how my depression and anxiety like presents itself. Like of course there's always the depression of like not wanting to do anything. Totally. Like yeah. Um, but like the consistent need for reassurance and that everything's gonna be okay and that um that I'm not doing any- like like the external validation of like my life's not going to fall apart and everything's going to be okay. And I'm not as bad as I think I am like all of that. Like for me, the way I deal with it is very external. I'm also an external processor. um. Mm-hmm. So like the way that I deal with my problems is by talking about them. Like it's hard for me to internalize things and to sit with my thoughts and to journal. Like I do like to journal in that kind of thing because in a way it can become external just by getting it out of my brain. But like talking about things and getting them like out of my body is like the way Mm -hmm. that I prefer to process them so I feel like Anna is very similar in that way of just like I need to I need to have people I need to have someone to like externalize this with to get it out
1: yeah yeah and I definitely relate to Elsa and I think a lot of that too was her parents like they just kind of shut her in a room and made her deal with her things which was like obviously not healthy for a child's development or confidence or empowerment um but I I mean we've talked about this at length um in other episodes about how like I would play board games by myself and I was very like self-sufficient and hyper independent in that way and it definitely carried with me into adulthood like even now I have a great I have a very great supportive loving boyfriend and there are some times where I will go things or like I will apologize like if I just start crying about missing my dog I'm like apologizing to him and he's like what are you apologizing for? Like, it's, it's, you know, it's okay. Or like, I feel sometimes guilty coming with him and being like, I had a moment about dams and I'm really sad. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm scared almost to talk about it because growing up, I never had, if, if I remember distinctly, like one of my friends, um, passed away over the summer, I was in like third grade and maybe we have talked about it on this podcast. I don't remember. Um, yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she drowned and a few years later I was supposed to swim at the pool that she drowned in and I didn't want to and I went to my mom about it and she just like literally pushed me aside and left the room. So I relate to Elsa and being more of an internal processor in that I never had a person to, I never had the adult or like just anyone really to talk to because I believed I was too much. I was a burden. I I didn't want to make anyone... I didn't want to make anyone else sad, you know, that kind of a thing. So I've gotten pretty good at just being there for myself in that way. And there are times when that has been necessary and that's like important for my own processing. And then I think once I have kind of done that, it, it's kind of, it kind of feels like checkpoints, like, okay, I'm going to take this time to do this for myself. And then when I feel ready, I'm going to move forward and start externalizing it. You know, it's kind of like a process for me. And then um and then yeah another thing i thought of was that even though hans is like definitely the villain of this movie i think a lot of it the main villain is is fear um mm-hmm. fear like that comes within oneself and then um obviously other people's fears of elsa like that freaking duke of weasel town Wes- and- weselton whatever Wesselton, yeah uh, weselton <laughs> <laughs> I have what did he say like this isn't my favorite quote but it's something I used to quote on the daily with my friends was like when he's dancing with Anna and he's like like a chicken with the face of a monkey I fly (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: that's a fun there that dance scene is a fun scene
1: it is fun it is really cute seeing Anna and Elsa like have a moment I don't know if that's like the first time they've talked since their parents died or whatever but it it's kind of cute watching them like reconnect and and stuff before elsa shuts down again yeah Mm
0: -hmm. um speaking of quotes and speaking of what you just said about fear being the villain of the movie is one of the very first lines like when it's like at the very beginning after anna gets um after elsa hurts anna and they go to the trolls and the trolls Mm -hmm. are sort of like you know Uh, It's a good thing it happened to her head. We don't know if we'd be able to heal it if it was her heart. But the grandpappy troll warns them that fear will be their enemy. Mm. And fear was like, even with that prophecy of like, fear will be your enemy. That I think like created fear around like, what does this mean? Like, you know, and then that and then the fear just like it like snowballed. So it's like grandpappy, grandpappy troll (laughs) <laughs> he prophesized, he prophesized the fear being the enemy but then you know by by having that prophecy it actually almost did more harm than good
1: yeah definitely it kind of like planted the seed of fear within them already mm-hmm. or like just kind of fueled that that yeah that fire um in a sense but like you said i think by the end of the movie we see that love even if or what am i trying to say here that love is the antidote, the antithesis to, to fear. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's not so much that it's like, it, it's not so much that it's, you have to be devoid of fear or that there's only love. I think part of, part of Elsa's journey, part of Anna's journey, part of like this whole movie and also in real life is like loving every part and aspect to yourself so it's not like only loving the good things and trying to dismiss or hide the bad things but it's also like hiding things that you are quote-unquote afraid of or like that aren't so easy to love I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we have this idea especially through pop psychology on social media that when we talk about loving ourselves it's just loving the good things or loving the things that we do well when in reality it is like no like loving yourself as a whole because when we try to dismiss or hide the things that aren't so easy to love we just repeat the cycle that we've grown up in and that doesn't serve anyone because then we're also repeating we're we're like continuing the cycle and being an example of the things that we're trying to heal from
0: yeah 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 that's a very very good point yeah i agree
1: yeah um but speaking of quotes what's your favorite quote from the movie
0: I said it at the beginning. Um, some people are worth melting for. I really, uh, really struck me, uh, mm. really struck me, uh, struck a chord with me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's an example of love, right?
1: Yeah, that's that's yeah. how I feel about my my best friend. Like if, <laughs> if I were Olaf, like she would she's someone I would melt for. <laughs> no. Yeah.
0: Yeah one of my favorite jokes that kind of relates to body image um you know like sometimes we talk about on here about how like there's some jokes made in poor taste da 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 but there's a joke that he like it's like when he falls off the mountain and his body is like all misshaped, like his head is where his torso should be and oh, his yeah. butt is on his head whatever and he goes man i'm out of shape like i thought that was <laughs> cuz it's true he was not in correct form you know like... <laughs> um yes. So I thought that was like a perf. like that's, if you're going to make jokes like that, like that's a good way to make a
1: joke like that. You know what I mean? Yes. So. Yeah. No, that, yeah. Makes, that makes sense. I agree. I never thought about that before, but if mm-hmm. you're going to talk about being out of shape, it's not about someone's physique or health. It is them just not being in <laughs> assembled correctly, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I thought um. it was perfect. I was like, yes, great. Love it. This movie is just like a really fun time, but I do think I do think it can be a very good conversation starter for kids. And maybe this is why so many kids like it is because they have something to point to that like when they're feeling sad, when they're feeling hopeless, when they're just like feeling down or something, they can point to Elsa and either say like, this is how I'm reacting to the thing where I feel like I'm shutting down or they'll point to Anna and say like, oh, I see this in myself where I like need people or I'm feeling like I, I need to be seen or noticed or witnessed in some kind of way. Or even later on when Elsa's is like suddenly like more feeling, when Elsa's is feeling more empowered, they can be like, oh, Elsa went through it, so can I. Or like, this is how she kind of moved through it and her sister was there for her and blah, blah, blah. And so I can try and see if these things will work for me as well. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it, like, I mean, the whole premise of our podcast and like we said in the in, like in our very, very first episode is I just love that we have these kinds of movies to give kids the opportunity and the thing to point to. And like, I don't know, just like give them a point of reference And now, as adults, like as we're going on our own healing journey or inner child healing, whatever, having these things that meant so much to us as kids, and kind of use rewatching them through the lens of mental health and seeing how the characters we love so much have influenced us or or can be an example for us on our own journeys, and I think that's really that's just really freaking cool. And I love that we have we have that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um I don't really have a favorite quote so much as like a favorite song I think or like d- different lyrics throughout the songs especially a lot of Elsa's stuff just around um um concealing don't feel be the good girl you always have to be like I I definitely relate to that and then let it go when she says um no right no wrong no rules for me I'm free like I i really like that lyric and also it's funny how some distance makes everything seem small the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all i love that one um that was definitely pivotal when i like moved out of my childhood home and was like living on my own and i finally felt like i could be me um yeah yeah amazing yeah anyway 10 to 10 love this movie and um if you haven't watched the second one it's it's just it's all of these things we talked about with like attachment styles and um uh, uh, coping mechanisms and um and and all of those things are definitely just more addressed in that movie so I think definitely worth Worth a watch. Dare I say it's better than the first, but I don't know. Yet. I don't know anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know the second one gets a little bit of criticism for using indigenous people um, to like tell the story at the very beginning, um, the way it's sort of like, and then they turned on us, but I think it's like mended by the end, I hope. Have you not seen the second one?
1: I have. I just don't remember how it ends. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I won't spoil anything, but- <laughs> Yeah, if you keep watching it, they they definitely address it more. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And thanks, Hallie, if you've made it this far in the episode, for being on. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. All we'll right. See, we'll see y'all next. We'll talk to y'all next time. <laughs> yeah. Bye.
0: Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mental Health Multiverse Podcast and for spending time with us, HB and LB. Special shout out to our musical composer, Little HB.
1: If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, feel free to share it with others, post about it on social media, leave a rating and review, or become an exclusive Patreon member to see bonus and additional content.
0: To stay up to date on all things MHM, you can follow us on Instagram at Heather Bodie and at LittleBin underscore not. Broken, or subscribe to our YouTube channel to see our faces and watch some fun bloopers. You can find all of these links in the show notes.
1: Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.